This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I'm excited for you to join me today. This week is part two co-tenancy. Last week, we touched on co-tenancy as it relates to what uses are going to be in shopping centers in the future. This week, we're going to talk about co-tenancy from the way it reads in a lease and what the future of that will become. So for those who don't know, some leases in commercial real estate, in particular retail real estate, have what they call an occupancy clause or a co-tenancy clause. That clause is an obligation for the landlord to have a certain level of tenancy in the shopping center. And if they don't, then there are remedies that take place. Something might read like, the landlord has to keep the shopping center at a minimum 65% leased at all times. If not, then the tenant might have a reduced rent period for some period of time. And then typically it will do that. The clause will do what they call sunset and the reduced rent will end and the tenant will have the, the right to go back to full rent or terminate. During that reduced rent period, the landlord typically has the ability to cure that co-tenancy violation. It might be that 65% just meant being that the lease some space to get to over 65%. Well, <clears throat> this has been an interesting topic, and I, I've spent a lot of time on this studying this topic over the years. I have a research deck called Win-Win Co-Tenancy, which you... I wrote up for the ICSE. You can find it on their website, and I taught it um, for years throughout ICSE, and I continue to be fascinated by this topic of co-tenancy as it relates to leases, especially in an evolving landscape of uh, shopping centers. So let's start with a back it up and start with a little bit of a fundamentals of lease, which if there's a, let's talk about default and remedy. Most of the clauses of the lease don't have a specific remedy for that clause. So if a landlord or tenant defaults, there's a default provision that says what happens. Maybe there's a termination right. Maybe there is none and it's just the other party has to litigate. And typically, for certain clauses, both landlords and tenants have agreed, we don't want to have that be the case. We want a specific remedy. And so when either party violates that clause, there's a remedy in the lease for what happens. In co-tenancy, it's usually some reduced rent period. If the whole lease was remedies, specific remedies, then you'd have... 500 page commercial leases and they're already too long. So there's not a remedy for every clause, but certain ones, landlords and tenants have kind of conceptually agreed in the marketplace. There's 
probably better to have a remedy for this. And as much as they've come, you know, market remedies, they're specific to each center and therefore landlords tend to spend a lot of time negotiating these uh, provisions. And I think it's getting more and more interesting given that these shopping centers are really evolving. Um, when you when you take um, so let's talk about some different ones. Sorry, let's talk about some different ones. So the two most common co-tenancies are opening co-tenancy and ongoing co-tenancy. Typically, if there is a co-tenancy clause, which I could say most leases do not have, but if there is, then what will happen is I would say there's typically two types, ongoing, which means there has to be a certain type of tenancy throughout that's ongoing, throughout the, the period of the lease, or opening, there should be a certain type of tenancy when the tenant actually opens. So I would say these clauses are obviously significant burdens on a landlord because if there's a reduced occupancy, the tenant leaves, and that causes a co-tenancy, there's a double whammy for the landlord because they already lost one tenant, and now the tenant that they're still in the center, now that lease isn't what is contractually in the lease at some reduced rent period. <clears throat> so a couple things have happened over the years. There's really two types that you see. There's anchor co-tenancies and there's occupancy thresholds. Those are like the two types of co-tenancies. So let's, let's talk about an anchor co-tenancy. It'll typically say something like, Let's say there's like eight junior boxes in a center. It might say something like five of them have to be open and operating. Or there's a cotency violation for the, the landlord. On an occupancy, it might say, well, then there is, you know, the landlord has to keep 60% of the center occupied. Well, there's a lot of things that are starting to come into play and have, and I think they're just becoming more prevalent as early as this. One, the cure period. Cure period's typically 12 months. Sometimes it's 18. And then typically, like I said, the, the reduced rent sunsets. The cure period is interesting because in today's environment, we're talking about the words typically used are open and operating. To go from signed lease to open and operating is in 12 months is for, you know, probably like for a box tenant, you know, on the anchor side it is a real challenge. In the small shop, if you're like a, you dropped from 65 to 64. Curing is probably doable in that time period. But, you know, in times when an electric gear takes 48 weeks to get, to get the new tenant in, it's, you know, let alone the amount of time it takes to negotiate the lease, where 
it's, you're, you're probably not ending up curing. So then that, as a landlord, you have to think about if you're going to agree to co-tenancy, what's more important, your cure time or the time to get to sunset? And think about that. Do you want that termination right to come quickly? Or do you want to give yourself enough time to cure the co-tenancy so the tenant doesn't have a right to terminate? Well, I'll answer that. Typically, I could tell you, in today's environment, you want the cure period to actually be shorter, even though it would take you longer to cure. You want the period to sunset sooner. Typically, you might have financial lender issues or something that makes that a challenge, but typically, you want that cure period to be shorter. Why? Because I would tell you, here's the the secret that no one talks about. The amount of tenants that have terminated their lease in America due to a co-tenancy violation is unusually small. For the amount of effort that is put into this clause by our industry, the amount of dollars both parties spend on negotiating this clause, whether it's the, the hourly rate to a leasing person the lease administrators, the legal people, I would argue, I think the industry has spent more in GNA fighting on both sides than it's saved in cost for any party. Now, it'd be impossible for me to verify that. But I can tell you that you talk to any landlord, ask them how many tenants have terminated due to a co-tenancy clause. And I can tell you that most of them can't remember one or it's a, you know, on one hand. Now they've obviously been in co-tenancy violation and lost rent, but that is more rare than the times that they're negotiating for it. The amount of dollars spent on negotiating this clause is uncanny. And we have scenarios where we've had scenarios where tenant goes on co-tenancy and sales rise for that tenant. Competitor might have left. More market share. And they get to go on remedy rent. Now they would argue that being in a vacant center, and I use that word loosely because sometimes a co-tenancy clause can take into effect when it's not even vacant, when it's just one or two vacancies and being in a less occupied center is probably a more appropriate word, might be brand damaging. Consumers coming to see, you know, why is such and such tenant in this property? That's an argument I've heard. I would say, I don't know. To the general consumer, I'm not so sure. Maybe. But I think this co-tenancy and how necessary is it 
and the amount of dollars we're spending as an industry on fighting on both sides, how, how important is this provision? Because you can look, and this provision is like two pages of the lease. It is because here's what you're negotiating. What constitute a violation? That's the, okay, 65, below 65% occupancy. Well, when does the violation start? Does it start on that day? Does there need to be a notification between both parties? Who notifies who? Then once it starts, how long do you cure? How long is the cure period? What is the actual reduced rent? Is it a percentage of sales? It is just a fixed discount off the fixed rent. What happens on the sunset? You have to negotiate what, what typically is now getting negotiated, been for a while, is acceptable tenants that, are, are repla- that, can be, that can replace them. You know, one of the issues we go into is like, well, that all the time is a use that's not prohibited, not excluded by their lease, does that count? As a replacement tenant, oftentimes some of these replacement tenant provisions, they require, they put a burden on the landlord for the specific tenant. They have to have at least 75 stores. They have to be this. They have to be that. Wait a second. I don't need that to lease another space. But if you go into cure to co-tenancy, then I cured it with one of these tenants that's not prohibited, but doesn't meet this new requirement. I'm still in co-tenancy. So, this has been a provision in leases for a long time for certain retailers. And one, do retailers need it? I'll tell you, in a changing landscape of product types, and that I've been on the bandwagon that brick and mortar is growing because everyone realizes that's so necessary in this digital world. Two, is the punishment, you know, worth the crime? Or is the, does, the cri- does the punishment fit the crime? I don't know, as you read some of these provisions. So, Um, I think this is going to start evolving for both parties. If anyone really studied the G&A that it costs, and then how often do they actually go in cotency? They're spending more in G&A. It's an insurance policy that I'm not sure is totally needed. Now, are there cases where it's a Walmart center, 30,000 square feet of small shop, Walmart goes, they were driving traffic. Yeah, you see the negative impacts. But... You know, in today's environment, we're living in a world where retailers don't want to close stores. They want to grow store count. So even if there's a, a vacancy, they're probably going to find a way to make the business work. At a minimum, should the co-tenancy provision be tied to actual impact 
rather than guessing impact. We're making a guess that the vacancy will impact the business. It's a guess every single time. Do not know. You could show me every fact in the world every time, blah, blah, blah. But this is a different, every time blah, blah, blah leaves, our sales go down 10%. Okay. Let's see if it happens here because this market's different. The consumer in this market might be different. And then, and therefore something different might happen. Maybe sales go up. So if sales, if tenant leaves causes a co-tenancy violation, should tenant, tenant A leaves, co-tenancy tied to tenant A, tenant B's sales rise when that tenant leaves. Should the landlord be in co-tenancy? You know, the cost to administer these provisions is high. The cost to negotiate these is high. So I think, you know, it's good business for landlords to try to protect tenants where they can. And therefore, you know, co-tenancy provisions will live on and co-tenancy should, you know, co-tenancy provisions will live on and co-tenancy provisions have a place in certain leases, right? Especially if a landlord's saying, hey, I want you to come to this center. The reason for you coming to this center is because in this center is tenant A, tenant B, and tenant C. Well, tenant A, tenant B, and tenant C are no longer there. Well, they might not have gotten what they bargained for. Regardless of what happens, they were buying something based on a premise that doesn't exist anymore. Okay, I think that's fair. But I think the provisions should evolve because replacement tenants are becoming different. The reality of curing is becoming different. And what should the remedy be in that scenario? Probably is going to be adjusted. So just like in uh, anything, you know, a lot will probably stay the same, but I think you know, I'm just putting thought provoking out there that I think it's fascinating and interesting today. You know, my win-win co-tenancy deck is not about eliminating co-tenancy. It's about uh, maybe a better co-tenancy in certain leases for all. And, you know, there's going to be co-tenancy in certain leases, but I think it's time to take a step back in a fast changing world and say, could this provision evolve? to a place where um, maybe one, the punishment fits the crime, two, start thinking about the changing nature of shopping centers in America today. Um, because um, they are changing and this provision hasn't, has largely been unchanged. And you would think after COVID, after all these new, uses going to centers, that this provision would be more evolved than it hasn't. And one of the things I want to tell everybody, the amount of dollars spent on this for the actually dollars gained by the industry is, I'm telling you, there's no research. This is totally anecdotal, but we're losing as an industry on this provision. We've spent more 
trying to cure world, hu world hunger in this provision. I use that as a facetious meaning. We've spent more trying to solve this provision between consultants and attorneys and everything than it's, you know, than people have gained from it. That's not a reason to eliminate it in certain leases. I'm not, you know, I would love to as a landlord, but I'm not saying that. But it's a reason to look at it a little differently. So I hope this was a thought-provoker for you. Gave a little secret, like very few tenants terminate their leases due to co-tenancy violations. Talk to anybody. I don't have a stat. Check it out, though. Think about it yourself. Think about if you're a retailer, how many of you actually terminated your landlord, how many have you gotten back terminated? And so that's a little secret thought provoker. And then let's talk about can there be a way to actually evolve this provision to a better place given the changing landscape in the market? So that's what I got today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this thought provoker on co-tenancy. Um, stay tuned for more insightful discussions later this year and tune in next Thursday for our uh, new episode. Thanks everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to retail retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retail retold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.